Wow. Uh, what a night. I think there is uh, there's something rather poetic about nights like this. I, I think probably, I don't think you even have to have been alive very long to feel that way. I think probably some of the youngest in the room feel this way, but I think most especially maybe the older ones of us in the room, I said ones of us, I'm putting myself with you, all right? Uh, Some of the older ones in the room maybe feel this way the most. Uh, You know, if you think about the words of the Charlie Brown Christmas song that many of us are familiar with, Christmas time is here, happiness and cheer, fun for all that children call their favorite time of year. It goes on, sleigh bells in the air, beauty everywhere, yuletide by the fireside and joyful memories there. I mean, if if you could bottle Christmas optimism and drink it, like you would make a fortune. In fact, people are making a fortune. You're not drinking it, you're watching it on TV and in movies every year. Um, But I, I think this sort of sentiment really highlights one of our greatest Christmas pitfalls that we have so easily romanticized Christmas to the point that our expectations grow out of control. So, so often what we're hoping to get from Christmas is it's, I don't even know what it is. It's warmth, it's family, it's food. It's, our mind is telling us all these things. There's some moment in Christmas past uh, that was just perfect, that was all, all was right in the world, all was calm, all was bright. Uh, and so like Clark Griswold, we're determined to recapture it. And, we're, and, and so often, I think that's what Christmas is, we're chasing a feeling. If we can get the lights right, if we can schedule the parties just right, if we can get all of the family in town, or at least the right parts of the family in town, we'll then strike the perfect chord of completeness. All will be well. But I think if you've been around long enough, and it probably doesn't take long, something happens every single year. It's this. Time passes, the season slips by, and you never quite got it. The feeling was never quite what it could have been. Christmas comes and goes, and wow, if I just had more time, if I just had the right times, uh, if, if those family members could have made it or if, if I just had enough money to buy the kids the things that I wanted to buy. Uh, but what if I told you, I, I don't think we ever find that, that thing that we're looking for if that's what we're looking for. There's no sentimental Christmas that will give us the peace and the warmth that your heart really wants. And that's a really great thing to say on Christmas Eve, isn't it? Uh, have, have a Merry Christmas. Um, but even in the best of Christmas seasons, we want to freeze those moments, but we can't. We're, we've basically loaded it so full of expectation that it'll never live up to the hype. And I, I think this is what uh, Solomon is getting to in the book of Ecclesiastes when he says in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 7 verse 10, we read, don't say, why were the former days better than these? Since it's not wise of you to ask this. And it's not because Solomon is Scrooge, although if you read the book, maybe uh, you could get some of that. No, he's speaking about reality. That it isn't a good godly impulse to live in the glory of the past. But even, even we as Christians, we, we, we know what Christmas is about. That's why we're here. That's why you're here, I hope. 
Uh, but we can also mistakenly seek after the same thing, the same bit of nostalgia, uh, only to find that when we get close, it's like grabbing a fistful of water, that it slips through our fingers. That when the songs and the lights and the family gatherings go away, the peace is, was never really ours. So why, why do the gifts and the, the weather that we never actually get, uh, why do they always disappoint? Why? It's because without Jesus, our Christmas celebrations are just a dabbling. They're just, a, a, they're just playing about in the spoils without actually pro, like possessing the substance. Much like enjoying a juicy steak by smelling it. Like without ever putting it in your mouth. Maybe, maybe someone could even write a song about that, about how great a steak smells. Joy to the world. The steak is perfectly pink. It looks great. It smells wonderful. But unless you eat it, you'll, you'll, not only will you not be satisfied, but eventually you'll starve. C.S. Lewis says this. He says, God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing. The message of Christmas is that all humanity wasn't just lacking a feeling. We didn't just need a nostalgic event. No, the message of Christmas is that we stood opposed to God. We wanted nothing to do with him. We were his enemies, the Bible says. Broken by our own sin, broken by our own sorrows at the hands of others as well. No way out for us. But then our brother Paul says this in the book of Galatians about Jesus. It says, in the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of this world. That means we were enslaved to the same things the world is. We, we run after our own desires. We run after our own desire to, be, to find peace, to find warmth, trying to find it on our own. And, and when God should have given up and started over, uh, given up on us, Look what happened in verse four. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Rather than be crushed like we deserve, God moved toward us with grace. He could have kept his distance, but instead, what was his name? Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus became one of us to save us. And this happened, Paul said, when the fullness of time had come. This means that at the exact right time, in the exact right era, at the exact right moment, exactly when you needed it, exactly when I needed it, God sent his son. And it worked. The baby grew up and he went to the cross where he died for sinners. And so we can sing about this night. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Without Christ, we have no ticket out of this painful life. We are enslaved to sin. We, we can see freedom, but never be free without Christ. We can be dead and have no hope, but he comes to us. But with all that facing us, all that placed upon us at the exact right time, the Savior came. And he came in, the, I think, the most unbelievable fashion 
that we could imagine. I think the one, maybe the biggest twist in the whole Bible is that God came as a baby. God came as a baby. Like we, we marvel at miracles in the Bible. We see, we see a, a virgin birth and we go, man, that's amazing. We talk about, uh, man, the seas parted. God did that. Okay, that's amazing. Uh, he, Jesus healed a paralytic. That's amazing. Uh, and all these are impressive feats, incredible supernatural acts of God. But in the incarnation, the infinite God somehow moved into finiteness. Very God, a very God became man. One of my, my favorite poems that highlights, I think, the audaciousness of this truth is by John Shea, and it's a poem called Sharon's Christmas Prayer. So I'm, I'm going to read it. Kids, you'll probably get a kick out of this poem as well. Um, but it's, Sharon is a little girl. And here's the poem about Sharon. It says, she was five. Sure of the facts and recited them with slow solemnity, convinced every word was revelation. She said, they were so poor. They had only peanut butter and jelly sandwiches to eat. This is Mary and Joseph she's writing about. And they went a long way from home without getting lost. The lady rode a donkey, the man walked, and the baby was inside the lady. They had to stay in a stable with an ox and an ass, he he. But the three rich men found them because a star lifted the roof. Shepherds came and you could pet the sheep but not feed them. <laughs> then the baby was born. And do you know who he was? Her quarter eyes inflated to silver dollars. The baby was God. And she jumped in the air whirled around, dove into the sofa, and hurled her head under the cushion, which is the only proper response to the good news of the incarnation. Is there any better response? Perhaps we should bury our head in the sofa tonight. Perhaps we should rejoice with unending joy. See, I'm not suggesting that as Christians, we need to get rid of our nostalgic celebrations. I don't think that's the Christian path in Christmas. No, I'm not recommending that we do a low-key Christmas. No, I say we turn it up to 11. I say we go full bore on joy and, and warmth and family. Dive headfirst into joy tonight and tomorrow. Enjoy the giving of gifts. Enjoy the food. All, all in the name of the Lord Jesus. But let us enjoy the festivities with, with a dumbfounded grin on our face, knowing that in just a minute, I'm going to be walking around with a trash bag, picking up, picking up Christmas wrappings. And as you're walking around, picking up plates that everyone left everywhere, and the feeling is starting to wear off, look again to the Lamb of God, who is the reason for it all. Maybe in your life, that's not, maybe what I just described doesn't even sound anything like what your Christmas is like. It, you've, you, you're experiencing this Christmas relationships that are broken, a body maybe that is ravaged by sickness or cancer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says that all of life is Advent. It's all awaiting, waiting for the future city of God, the future kingdom where we'll be with him. And so maybe if pain is your reality this year, 
The same is needed. Look to the Lamb of God, to Jesus, who is Emmanuel. God is with us. The God of the universe set aside glory, not just to dwell among us, but that we might dwell with God. The church father, Augustine, said it this way. He said, man's maker was made man, that he, ruler of the stars, might nurse at his mother's breast, that the bread might hunger, the fountain thirst, the light sleep, the way be tired on its journey, that the truth might be accused of false witness, that the teacher be beaten with whips, the fountain suspended on wood, that strength might grow weak, that the healer might be wounded, that life might die. Friends, the light of the world was snuffed out so that we who were lost in darkness might live in his light. He did this for you and for me. He was crushed that you might be forgiven of your sins, that you might have life that doesn't feel like crushing all the time. So I, I, I exhort us tonight, don't push away from Christmas, push in. Let every ounce of joy be like the rumbling of the cavalry of God that you feel at your feet the peace of God that's on its way because it's all pointing us to the future day when the son of God will come again and bring ultimate peace and then we will hold it. It won't slip through our fingers anymore. It will be ours. The best Christmas is still to come. It's not the one that you remember. It's the one you haven't experienced yet with the savior. May he be our gift this year. May he be our feast. Let every heart prepare him room and let's feast and enjoy our savior. Merry Christmas, church. Let me pray for us. Father, would you help us to not lose ourselves in every other trapping without seeing that the truest joy is all that is behind the gifts, all that is behind the celebration. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that those little fingers and those little arms grew in strength that, that might therefore then be given up to die for us. Lord, we are undeserving, but you are so worthy. We have life because of our Savior. We thank you that you would send your Son, Father, to dwell with us, to save us, and to offer us peace everlasting. We love you. Lord, would you lead us to joy tonight? We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.